Good morning, Faith Fellowship. Man, it's good to see you guys this morning. Um, I know some of you have been sick and out, and so it's just good to see faces that I haven't seen in a little while. Uh, really sweet. If you have your Bible, be turning to Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at adoption uh, for our um, topic this morning in our PRISM series. And there's one thing I, you know, I just wanted to share with you in terms of this is a term that obviously we're very familiar with in society. It says that uh, 5 million Americans are adopted uh, statistically. This is from the adoptionnetwork.com. Uh, says uh, 391,000 children are in foster care. 115,343 children are adopted each year. I mean, these are kind of staggering numbers. And we even have a ministry in order to minister to those that are in the foster care system and we have parents that are here that are a part of that. And so, man, you guys, this word, it already, you probably have thoughts and feelings about it. You probably know someone in your family that's been adopted. You know, maybe you were adopted or your parents were adopted. This is an important topic. And so we absolutely want to see what it is that the word of God has to say about it. Because I'm telling you, uh, it's incredible. <laughs> I was just floored by some of the things that God was sharing with, with me concerning that. And so if you were looking this word up, you would find it in uh, five entries in your Bible, and uh, none of which, you know, you see in the Old Testament, but still there is absolutely things that, uh, well, you'll see as we get into it, that tie back to the Old Testament. And so this isn't a new concept for God that he just created and started uh, in the New Testament. This is something that is a, a matter of his heart. And so we got to look at that. Our first entry then is Romans 8.15. And if you think about in Romans chapter 8, it's talking about this kind of deliverance uh, from bondage, you know, uh, as a overall, we're still in our, you know, uh, Bible study series, we'd be talking about this is still covering salvation and a great explanation and the details of that uh, for the church. Okay, and now in chapter nine, things change, but at eight, still, we're still talking about the church here. And so in 815, it says something very interesting. It says this, for ye have not received the bondage, that's spirit and bondage together, <laughs> the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And so there's some things that you may want to write down and just take away just immediately from here is that there is a contrast being compared between the spirit of bondage and the spirit of adoption. It's important to note that you, what you, as you see that, you're seeing it as spirit of adoption. And it says that we get a chance to do something as a result of that spirit of adoption, which is we cry, Abba, Father, which if you've ever looked that up, it's just basically saying Father. But it's invocative as an addressing. So now that would mean the only way that I would be able to do that is I would have to be a son. See, I can call James my father, and spiritually that is true, but like we don't look alike. That is not actually my biological father, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so, well, I love it. That's my guy, man. But like the thing is, you see what I'm saying? So 
If I'm saying Abba Father, there is a sonship that has taken place that is of great importance. But the thing that we need to pay attention to is what it says in that contrast, spirit of bondage. And that was all over the Old Testament. Uh, I, I wish that we had the time for me to just go into the great detail of what it is that you'll see. If you type in the word bondage in, in your search engines or, or through, excuse me, your uh, uh, strong concordance, you're going to see that most of the times that it's being mentioned, it starts in Exodus, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ezra, Nehemiah, there are all of these entries. The bulk of them are in reference to Israel's bondage in Egypt. And there's some important takeaways that I want you to kind of see just from that is that the first verse of that, and actually, let's just turn there together. Exodus 1.14. Just so we kind of understand the context, because I want you to see the urgency from God's position to resolve this. Okay, Exodus 1.14 first mention of the word, and it says, uh, let's start in 13, and the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field, and all their service wherein they made their serve was with rigor. Now you say, okay, Dell, I hear you. Why is that important? Because the next time that you see the word mentioned in Exodus 2.23, and you don't have to turn there, just listen to me, that the crying from the bondage that they receive comes up to God. The next mention of it is, God said, I have heard the groaning. The next mention after that, which now at this point will be the fourth mention of the word bondage, God said, I will rid you out of their bondage. So you see immediately there is an urgency in God's heart that now as a result of this change of pharaohs, okay, the one that is with Joseph and letting Joseph kind of run the show is dead. And there's a new pharaoh that's worried about the growth of these Israelis and like, man, we got to do something. So let's put them to work. That's been his heart. And so now this is kind of a long process, right? But in terms of when the crying out started, man, the Lord said, I've heard their groaning and I'm, I'm going to do something about it. So now just think back as we go back to Romans 8, 15, it says, have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. See that again, boy, it stuck with me. I'm like, again, why would he say again? If we go on just to, continue our study of what we're looking at in our another entry that's kind of important to this is in Nehemiah. It says, yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children as their children, and lo, we bring into bondage our sons and our daughters to be servants, and some of our daughters are brought into bondage already. And listen to this, neither is it in our power to redeem them. See, this, may, this starts to paint a, a better picture for you in terms of your understanding of, of just the gravity of bondage. See, you have the ability to drag other people into it. 
And boy, when you think about it, the one issue that is kind of a, we see is these generational things. You can see stuff in your kids. Their behavior is like yours. And it may be that it's like their grandpas or grandmas. And you can just see that sometimes these things wreck families. And the Lord is making a contrast here that says, I have freed you from that because you can't redeem yourself. See, we need to take great comfort, even just from these Old Testament examples of this bondage, is that the Lord, once the crying came up, the Lord heard it immediately and wanted to do something about it. In Nehemiah 9.16, another reference back to what had happened in in, in, uh, Moses and Aaron's day, in particular, when the Lord is given the, the commandments to uh, Moses, it says something else very interesting that we need to take seriously. But they and our fathers dealt proudly and hardened their necks and hearkened not to thy commandments and refused to obey. Neither were mindful of thy wonders that thou didst among them, but hardened their necks and in their rebellion appointed a captain to return to their bondage. Man, that's like you, you give the right to somebody else to help lead you into that. Man, doesn't that happen? You know, when you're in high school, it's really difficult for the kids to, to, to figure, they're trying to get their identity. And a lot of times the cool kids become the captains of whatever, right? And sometimes cool kids get into stupid stuff. And then you have followers that just follow right behind and just get led right into that. I mean, we saw that in high school all the time. But listen, it's not just high school. It happens in our adult life. There are things that maybe we deem important or valuable that are in this life. And then we look at and we say, I'm going to set my heart to that. And I'm going to go do that thing. Look at what it says. And in their rebellion appointed a captain to return to their bondage. But thou art a God ready to pardon. And praise the Lord for that. Gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and forsookest them not. See, just the power of Romans 8.15 and what it's saying and drawing this contrast for us, man, I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to miss what's behind that loaded word of bondage that is really, man, you've seen a great example of that just in the struggle for Israel. And there's so many great verses that really talk about that. Egypt is a house of bondage in Exodus 13.3. You don't have that, but just you would, you would see that in your, in your study of it. By strength of the hand of the Lord brought us out in verse 14 of Exodus 13. The Lord brought Israel out of the house of bondage. See, there's a thing that has to happen. The bondage that you were in, you cannot get yourself out of, but you can absolutely lead others into it. And that shouldn't be said of us. Because in Romans 8, we're addressing the believer. And we're going to see something that's really important dynamic to this, because remember what I said, it is the spirit of adoption. Not physical. Not yet. That's coming. That's our hope. And so it is. There's some pondering that we have to do to that. We have to understand the gravity of the bondage, the the crying out that has been happening, 
and the Lord sent his son to deal with it. And as a result of your belief on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you were given the spirit of adoption. And now the Lord is like, uh, never return back to this bondage. Because see, the fear of that bondage is the Lord dealt with Egypt harshly, didn't he? And when he freed them from that, boy, it, it was a great loss to Egypt in a lot of ways. And see, I think sometimes a little bit we get into our lives and we start living the, the Christian walk. And sometimes you look at the lost or, you know, people that are not focused on serving the Lord. And you think perhaps that's a man. Why do I have to be at church all the time? Why I got to be at Bible study all the time? Why can't I have some come up and say work? Why I got to make sure that the job doesn't cut me off so I can be here on Tuesday and be here on Sunday? And Man, I need money. Why can't I have that girl? Why can't I have that guy? Why I got to do it like this? Why I got to talk to my pastor, <laughs> right? Like all of these things that we kind of start with, the Lord has taken this time to free you from something, but man, it's enticing when you look backwards and you're like, but I kind of liked it when, when it was my choice. When it was my decision. Did you really? That's not why you got saved. When you got saved, you come to the realization that you being in control of your own life was a wreck. And the Lord is making a contrast here that he absolutely wants you to take note of. See, it's kind of interesting and kind of funny. I laughed out loud when I read it. When you do the study for bondage, all of these verses are dealing with captivity of some form. And like I said, in the Old Testament, it's you know, it deals greatly with Israel's uh, bondage in Egypt. The very first verse, the very first verse in the New Testament made me laugh out loud. It's not funny, but it's kind of funny. Listen to this. This is from a Pharisee to Jesus. John 8, 33. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou you shall be made free? It's like, fool, are you crazy? <laughs> like, did you miss all of the stuff that happened previously? That this individual now is questioning Jesus's ability to make someone free? Man, I, it's laughable. And then in the next verse, Acts 7, 6, it says, entreat them evil for 400 years. This is 400 years of the, how can you say that Abraham's seed has never been in bondage? It's 400 years of it, actually. It's just kind of funny. Well, why does it do that? There's an important aspect of that. And so that's going to lead us to our first key point. Adoption provides us with freedom and access to God. Adoption provides us with freedom and access to God. See, beforehand, your flesh is at the rule of the day. And anything that your fleshly desires wanted to do, you were just subject to and you were going to do it. But now, believer, listen to me. If you do that now, you're doing it because you want to, not because you have to. Okay? I, hey, I'm sorry. You know, I just buzz kill. 
because now the Lord freed you from that. You don't have to respond to the life's issues the way that you used to because the Lord has delivered you from that. He gave you his spirit, y'all, not an improved spirit, his spirit. His spirit. Now, when you, when you cry out to him, it is as when Israel cried out to him. It went straight to his ears and straight to his heart. And he intentioned to do something about it. So now, this has something to say even about your prayer life. Man, do you feel free this morning? Or do you feel that you're just at the, 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 the waves of whatever the circumstances or, or, or circ- you know, issues that you're dealing with, hardships you're dealing with? Maybe it's kind of been a long time of that. Have you lost that freedom? Do you feel bound up? Because you're not. The Lord has delivered you from that and given you his spirit. See, I want you to do something for me this morning. Let's not forget how great and merciful God is. One of the key, two of the key warnings in Deuteronomy 8.14 and Deuteronomy 13.5 were these. He says, a warning for the heart, then thine heart be lifted up and thou forget. And he's telling them as a warning, when you get into the land, these are the things I want you to do. I don't want you to forget what it was like. Why? Because your heart might be lifted up and now forget. The other warning was that he redeemed you out of the house. And so, man, like, beware lest thou forget the Lord in 612. There is a real danger for us to forget, which is why you need to be at church, why you need to be at Bible study, why you need to be at prayer. You know why? Because those are all touch points for remembrance. Your time in the Word. There's something very necessary that just needs to happen as a result of just saying, okay, Lord, you know what? Maybe for a moment I forgot, but you know what? I am grateful for the freedom that I now have. Let me take advantage of the access that I now have. That didn't come easy. It took Christ everything to give you that freedom. That's how grave the bondage is. And so, as we continue on here, let's look at in Romans 8.23, a little further down. Take a drink here. I'll just dry this morning. <clears throat> it says this, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Okay, so remember I said, make sure you take note of the fact that this is a spiritual adoption that we have as a result of Jesus Christ given us the Holy Spirit through salvation, okay? And so there is this groaning that takes place. Now, when you do your study on on, um, uh, bondage, you will see that, again, that groaning is something that the Lord hears. So the Lord hears the groaning that comes from you just being sick of your flesh, (laughs) you know? 
You're sick of fighting the desires. You're sick of fighting the temptations. You just, you just get tired of it. But the thing is, is listen, don't, don't, don't be discouraged by that. The whole point of that verse, and not only they, but ourselves also talking about all of creation, grown, there's something important that you've been given, those first fruits of the spirit. And so kind of get this down. We have these first fruits here. Never corporately before had this been a benefit to all of mankind, but now it is. See, you would have men that would have, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, David or Moses. It'd be like one at a time. But now the church as a whole gets the benefit of that. And this is why the groaning shouldn't be a discouragement, but simply, again, remember, I have access to God. So now I get a chance to say, Lord, help. But there's another safeguard that is in place, and that is those first fruits. Now, the one thing, another great study, again, I don't have time to get into all of the details of that. But with first fruits, the first thing you will find out is the first fruit is Jesus Christ himself. So here's the deal. As a result of the resurrection, he needed to be the first one to get into heaven because he's the incorruptible seed. And so everything that he provides, it's like the Lord is shadowing for us everything that essentially Jesus has done already. So his resurrection from a physical standpoint, the Lord means to do the same with us, but Jesus is the model. You see what I'm saying? And so he's always going to be the model in terms of when you see that first fruits like that. So now you've been given something and the Lord actually wants you to function and, and address life's issues walking in the spirit. OK, and what that should do is then produce in you something. Galatians 5:22. you know it, but the fruit of the spirit is love joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And then I love this, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. And so here is your next key point, adoption keeps us from being discouraged by our flesh. See, if I don't have this adoption, I don't have freedom. I don't have access. But I also don't have a way to not be discouraged. Because why? I have the spirit. It is critical for me and the success to see on, in, on this earth, in this life, that I walk in the spirit. And the Lord now has granted me access for that. And it produces something that basically I can deal with life's issues. Aren't there situations, believer, that you have right now that needs more love in it? You think about a spouse, think about children, think about the disappointments. Would more love being applied to that situation make it worse or better? Well, you know the answer, make it better. What about the joy that is necessary for you to have just to, man, the joy of the Lord, that you're just grateful for salvation and that it changes your countenance in the midst of you having this difficult time that you're going through. And now you get to speak to it. And people ask you, man, what is, what is with you? Man, I have joy. Here's why. 
It's not even necessarily because I have the answer. But I trust that the Lord over me does. Man, peace. When I think about our class and just the ways that our class is wrestling uh, with different things, man, peace is absolutely the thing that I'm, I'm praying for you along with faithfulness. Oh, which is on the list. See, perhaps you've been, you just read that verse. And you know, this is, this is one of them verses, man. Galatians 5.22. It's one of those verses, you know it. It's a memory verse. It's one of those verses you can just fly over. But what the Lord intends for you to do actually is to engage those things by your submission to the Spirit's leading. So there is a way to answer everything that you're dealing with. There should not be a single thing that you are actually going through right now, listen to me, that the word of God and walking in the spirit cannot resolve. Nothing. Nothing. And you say, Dale, well, what about this thing? Or what about this difficulty? Or what about this loss or this issue? There is nothing that you are going through that cannot be answered by the word of God and you walking in the spirit. You have to believe that. That is one of our core principles. That would be uh, living, walking in light of spiritual reality. The spiritual reality is if you're saved, you have an answer. And you know, I, it's important when he says, and they that are crucified, or excuse me, that are Christ, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. See, that part is the comforting part. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh. So remember, there is this groaning that is happening in the flesh because, well, you still struggle with desires that are contrary to God. But the thing is, the Lord is not like, well, uh, yeah, sorry about that. When I get you out of here, then that'll be resolved. Yeah, that's partly true. But really, he's like, you could walk in the spirit, though. Because I gave you my spirit. So how relevant to, to you is that now? Is that just some kind of, I don't know, like cutesy religious commonality that we just say to one another? Man, there's so much power in that. And, I, and I'm not saying I have it mastered, but I realized after looking at this that the Lord has given me the tool set to have success, to not end up depressed all the time to not just be weary and well-doing or just to think the worst. The rest of it says, man, with long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. You now have the ability to handle whatever life gives you, but it's gotta be that you're gonna be led by the spirit. It's not gonna just be academic. And so as we continue our walk, now we move into this part of Romans that is addressing Israel because you need to know something about Israel. And you're going to see that in verse four, actually the first four verses of that. Dill is, is addressing, telling you what Paul's heart is. And it doesn't actually start off very peaceful for him. He says uh, in verse one, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart for I wish 
that uh, myself were accursed for Christ, for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Important that he says that. He is saying, in my ethnicity, we are dealing directly with that. We're not talking about in the spiritual sense. We're talking about those that we got the same, you know, ethnicity. And he goes on to say, who are the Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption? Oh, there it is again. And the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises. Your takeaway here is you need to understand something here. Israelites have been adopted physically. So they're God's chosen people. That adoption is a physical adoption. So it's in reverse of what it is for us. For us, it's spiritual. For them, it's physical. Okay? So you need to understand that adoption has two parts. You should write that down. And Israel's adoption is a physical one, but not spiritually yet, unless they are saved. Now, I... For the sake of time, I want you to write these down. Acts 7, 1, 44, and 51. This is uh, Stephen's. Remember, we uh, studied this some time ago. This is Stephen's indictment on Israel. And uh, one of the important things of that, I can't help but read it because it's just, it's so powerful. Let's go look at Acts 7, 51. He had already kind of been uh, <laughs> uh, having a difficult conversation. He went through a history lesson of their stiff-necked, stiff-neckedness. I don't know, James, help me out there. <laughs> I added a nest there. We didn't need it. <laughs> and so he had kind of been talking. So these guys are, you know, I would have bet by this point, they are fuming. We know they are because we know how they treated him after but he's, this is what he says. Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. And I, man, I mean, I can't, you know, the rest of it just goes on. Obviously, we know what happens is Stephen is end up stoned to death as a result of his indictment because his words are true. And so... That may lead us to a difficult place where we're kind of like, well, man, God is done with Israel. See, the thing is, is you don't hear about them other than in war constantly with Syria or Iran or Iraq or something like that. And you may kind of even have come next to replacement theology that tries to throw Israel away and says that now that the church is, is the replacement and God's basically turned his heart to them. But now let me tell you, let me ask you this. If God is the father of both us and them, would you be encouraged or discouraged if the Lord was done with Israel? Because that would essentially mean that dad is saying, um, yeah, I've had enough of you, so I'm done with you. Get out. That's how we think. That's not how he thinks. And so you need to see where it says otherwise, Romans eleven twenty five through 27. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, 
that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. And so all Israel shall be saved. Now, y'all know I love shall in the Bible, right? I love shall. It's got to happen. That's a guarantee. Yeah, I guarantee. If you're old enough, you know. <laughs> I guarantee this will happen. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. That day will come. So here's your key point here. Adoption is a promise from God that he will bring to pass. We've seen that adoption, man, it means freedom. It means access to God. We're seeing right here that it's a promise. We see that it is something there to keep us from being discouraged in the flesh. And I'm telling you, believer, even we should have comfort in this. Because, well, uh, you know, sometimes we can be kind of wretched. <laughs> ratchet and wretched. <laughs> and the Lord is like, I'm not done with you. Because if he's not done with Israel, then he's not done with us. And that's, boy, you can take that to the bank. Now, I don't know what Bank of America is going to tell you, especially in the state of the bank's world today. It might just tell you to get on out of here, but it might encourage somebody. God's not done with Israel. and He's not done with you either. No matter how wicked <laughs> you may be at times. See, listen, this walking in the spirit thing is absolutely important because the Lord is wanting you to see that there is purpose to your life. And so, let's move on. Galatians 4, 5 is the next entry. It says, to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Listen, we need to be redeemed since we were under the curse of the law. And God sent Jesus to do that. Now we get to cry, Abba, Father, from the heart through the spirit of Christ. And so next key point is this. Adoption turned us from servants into sons. Adoption is busy, ain't it? It's got a lot going on. We got freedom. We have access. I, I don't get to be discouraged by my flesh. I got a promise from God. And now it just, it just upgraded me. I used to be a servant. Now I'm a son. You're like, they'll prove it. Okay. 2 Corinthians 6, 16 through 18. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God as God has said. <laughs> I love that. Not I said it. God said it. I will dwell in them and walk in them and will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So get this down. Sonship embraces separation. Okay? That, he said it. Come, come out. So remember, we're talking about this whole idea of I don't have to be subject to the flesh, but sometimes I want to handle situations very fleshly because I'm in my emotions. And I, you know, and I feel like I'm, it's justified. I'm right. But remember, 
Rightness is not righteousness. So you need to be separate. It needs to be distinguishable, distinguishable that you are a son of God, not a son of self. And sometimes your response, because the Lord really uh, just allows trial and tribulation really just to see what your response is going to be. This is a good opportunity for you to show his glory. Who cares if you look like a fool? See, a lot of times even, I don't, you know, parent or adults are really weird about embarrassment. Kids don't care. They just do foolish stuff. You tripping over themselves, will slide chin first down a hallway and just get up laughing. It's all good. If we did that, Lord have mercy. Sad. Perpetually, you know, we would just be sad. And sometimes, man, you just, the sake of embarrassment just allows you to kind of like to let your flesh just take over because you like, I just got embarrassed by this individual and what they said or did. And so now I must rise up. Man, sit down. Sit down. You already been validated by God himself. Whatever validation that you're about to give yourself is counterfeit. Sonship embraces separation. Do you embrace that? See, I, you know, you hear us say a lot of times, and maybe we don't always communicate the heart behind it, but you hear us say all the time, man, be here, be with us, be a church, you know, Bible study and discipleship and prayer and all of that. But the heart behind it is because we're trying to put you in remembrance and give you opportunity to not just let your flesh have its rule. Because I know for some of y'all, just showing up here is hard enough. Praise the Lord. If that's where you're at, that's where you're at. Okay, no shame. That's where you're at. But be separate. Separate from the bed. Come on out. Be with us. Stop being so sleepy all the time. <laughs> Last one. Ephesians 1.5. I love this. And we talked about this, so I'm not going to beat this horse to death. We talked about it last week with uh, predestination. But you see something here very important. It says, having predestinated us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. The saved, excuse me, man, I'm sorry. I just turned into a teenager. The saved, let's try it again. The saved have been predetermined to be adopted by Jesus. And so this is your last key point. Adoption comes with a purpose. Because you see in verse 5 of Ephesians 1, 5, it says, according to the good pleasure of his will. Adoption comes with a purpose. So you get freedom. You don't get to be discouraged by your flesh. You get access to God. You got a promise. You've been upgraded from servant to son. And it also comes with a purpose. And so listen, I got to give you a definition. Adoption is the spiritual and physical proof of God's love for mankind. See, he separated Israel for himself. But listen, the access through Jesus Christ is to everybody. So basically, it's like if he had a group, then he just threw a bigger net and just said, everybody. 
All you got to do is the access point is Jesus Christ. And so the thing I pray that this morning, obviously, obviously we need to be brief and, and class is over, but the thing I want you to consider is be grateful and walk in the spirit. Let the word of God give you the answer. Let the, let the spirit tell you what it is that you need to say or not say in these situations. And man, just watch God work. Let, don't get in the way of God's glory. And let him have all the glory that's due him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you uh, just for today. And Lord, I do pray that we would just be grateful for this adoption that has taken place. Lord, we can't wait for the physical side of that. Lord, it does make us groan. These wretched bodies of ours, Lord, are just such a nuisance. But Lord, thank you for overcoming even that that is now dead. Lord, help us to remember that we are uh, dead and alive in Christ and you are our life and you have equipped us with your spirit. Lord, it just makes me smile. And so Lord, thank you so much for everything that you've done. Lord, thank you for your adoption. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.